1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 304, recorded July 14th, 2019.
0: So today we're dusting off our Star Trek The Classic UK Comics Complete Series Volume 1. Hardcovers and reading. Storyline 7, Storyline 8, and Storyline 9. Yes. Yes. That all happened in uh, late 1969.
1: Yes. And seemed to be uh, slightly repetitious in some of the storylines, I would say.
0: Right, right. Yep. I'm not a fan of these, just yeah. because I feel like I've read them all recently. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you read Storyline 7.
1: Okay, great. And 8. It's like, something seems very familiar here. Uh, so, so very
0: reused storylines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you remember last week's or the last time we did UK strips, it's the same story. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, which uh, is pretty much how my synopsis will go. So uh, nobody go anywhere during the synopsis because it'll be brief. Right. Um,
1: Now looking at those notes you gathered, uh, at least I assume it was you, or maybe it was somebody else. We go from knowing. Storyline seven was written by Angus Allen, to it being unknown. So even though, uh, quite frankly, eight and nine seem like the same writer, uh, uh, but or
0: maybe it's just a different writer retreading the same basic plot. Yeah, maybe they maybe they were just told, "Hey, do the same thing that Angus did," and uh, he took that to heart. <sighs> right before they really kind of hopefully
1: be on these three. Uh, maybe started getting some new ideas with a new writer. Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully.
0: We'll see. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so the first story that we're going to do came out in a publication called, uh, what's it called again? Joe 90, Top Secret. Joe 90, Top secrets 31 through 34. And then we're going to
1: transition in the next, the next storyline will be in, in a new publication or at least a new name right was it t v twenty one and Joe ninety yeah uh yeah, uh, something okay, so the first one was gary Anderson's Joe ninety, which of course gary anderson the guy the the, the guy behind all the Thunderbirds and um fireball five thousand and a lot of puppet based uh t v shows, so when they went to the next one, was that possibly not um Gary Anderson anymore
0: hmm, I don't know. Or maybe they just changed the name for... uh, Other reasons. Other reasons. Anyway, the numbering starts all over again with the issues. Maybe TV21 was another show that they were wanting to get top billing. Right. I don't know. know. Or
1: maybe TV21 was really the name of this channel. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe.
0: (sighs) Anyway. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, these stories love the art. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful art. um, Almost on all of them. Um, But the stories just... I mean, they are... Written written for kids, and they're written one page a week, so you know it's a you can't get into too much detail. I mean, well, so. not only that, they in many cases they they're always the structure
1: is to try to have a cliffhanger at the end, uh, which gets a little tiring. Um, so it's short bit of story, short bit of story, short bit of story, then more often than not, some kind of a cliffhanger. Somebody's in trouble, you know, will they survive, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah. It, which is... It's, it's... It's the format. It's what sure. they try sure. to do. They want to keep keep people coming back the next week or month or whatever. How often were these done?
0: Were the, were these uh, weren't
1: monthly, these are like weekly things, aren't they?
0: Yeah, because this first story, uh, the issues were between October 16th through September six. Okay. Okay, to, uh, 1969, and it's uh, five, five or six issues, five okay. or six. Weeks. Okay. There you go. All right, so shall we go ahead and jump into it? Let's do it. All right, so this is uh, story seven, uh, entitled "The Eagles Have Landed." Uh, again, uh, Joe ninety issues. Um, what was it? Thirty-one through thirty-four. 34. All right, so. Uh, From our notes from previous, we found out that the writer was Angus Allen, and the artist was Harry F. Lindfield. No cover to speak of. Uh, This story follows the exact same formula as all other Star Trek uh, UK strips have. Uh, Maybe not all of them, but it's definitely a formula. Which, the Enterprise finds an alien species that seems friendly and asks Kirk for help. Kirk gives help, only to find out that he's being tricked. Kirk is able to make up for his mistake, and the day is saved. So here, the tricky aliens turn out to be some captives inside of a giant eagle ship by some bird people. They tell Kirk that they are slaves. Kirk frees them, only to learn later that the bird people were galactic police force, and the aliens were convicted criminals. Kirk is able to re-trick the tricksters into giving him back all the guns that Kirk gave him, and then he turns them over to the bird people. This is the exact same storyline from issue six, where we had ghost people, and issue number five, where we had the kids, and spoiler, issue number eight, where we're going to have some invisible people. The end. <laughs> Told you it was short and sweet. <laughs>
1: but you got the whole point across. So we can just talk about the details <laughs> right, uh, where, where exactly. appropriate. But yeah, it's pretty pretty straightforward plot. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting how, uh, Spock keeps calling Captain Kirk Jim repeatedly on the bridge. So in the TV series, I, he didn't, and the movies maybe a little bit more, but he didn't call Kirk Jim that often. But when he did it, I thought it was usually more in, you know, one-on-one kind of situations or maybe with McCoy around, but Mm. usually not on the bridge. Where things are more professional So I thought that was kind of
0: odd Jim, 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 Jim Anyway, I didn't catch on it Yeah What I caught on on this first page Is the uh, the giant eagle flying in space <sighs> Which uh, Reminded me of the, the great bird of the galaxy Exactly Yeah so it's Roddenberry, it's Gene Roddenberry Right there Yeah so was he called the great bird of the galaxy Before Star Trek or Where did that come oh. from
1: I don't know where it came from exactly, but it surely it came from Star
0: Trek right I but, mean the I galaxy mean, part I'm not sure what the But bird, I mean was it before nineteen sixty nine that's that's what I'm getting at is, oh is this, is this just a weird coincidence it's a weird or... coincidence I'm sure oh, okay. okay I'm sure it has nothing to do with this comic uh, yeah i
1: I doubt it and how about i, I mean okay it's a kids it, it's it's geared towards kids obviously right but oh good Lord i mean why I mean okay so we see they're bird people so okay, like with bird heads and human bodies, kind of, sort of. But they can also fly through space where there's no air to push against. Okay. Right. Um, but what a waste. I mean, engineering...
0: <laughs> engineering <laughs> a ship in the shape of a bird? Well, the Romulans do it, the Klingons do well, no, it. no, but this, this literally has it wings. The, they, they took it to the next level. Wings,
1: talons, which I guess is the landing gear. Feathers. And feathers... Uh, even the little wispy ones at the end of the wings, um, and then I guess the bridges in the in the head with the
0: eyes. I don't know. It's just it's ridiculous, right? But it's yeah, for I mean, kids. think about it. If you were a uh, society that was only police force, there would still be some creative people that you know wanted to make some Chuck E. Cheese animatronics, and they would be like, "Hey, I know we're just police force, the but whole wouldn't this be really cool?" Force. What if our police force looked like a giant bird? <laughs> they strike fear into yes. the criminals. A, a giant bird that looks just like
1: avian... Is avian the right yeah. genus or whatever? Creatures from a planet we'd never seen before, Earth. So well, I guess there must be parallel... Well, okay, but hold on. Exactly? I mean, okay, so at times this thing looks like a bald eagle. At other times it looks like like just a regular... Like all brown eagle or something it depends upon the panel but this thing is exactly like an earth bird so <laughs> you know parallel development I suppose whatever it's just it's just that's a that's a big thing to get over from a suspended disbelief standpoint
0: but right eh. yeah I thought it was kind of cool but but then uh, even in the story they kind of like reference how ridiculous it is and it is. And then they like talk about, well, there's no air out here, so what are the, what are the wings pushing against the fly? And yeah. you're like, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. But you know what? Go with it, because it does look cool.
1: But, but then they said it was a <laughs> sophisticated propulsion system, <laughs> which is obviously not the, the, the wing beating. So, okay, fine, whatever. Then why put a mechanism
0: where a wing could beat if that's not how you're really moving? But whatever. Um, I think that if the 1966 Batman movie TV show would have six would have continued and he started going into space, I could totally see him creating a bat shaped a bat shaped a state a bat-shaped, uh, sta- uh, spaceship. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, which would that make looks, no sense. Like, it
0: looks like a hundred percent anatomical bat.
1: <laughs> there you go. I'm kidding, but yes. No, no, no. no. I think you're right. I mean, come <laughs> on.
0: Nah, he'd put some fins on it or something. It wouldn't look like a bat. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? Anyway, I've seen his helicopter. It doesn't look like a bat, or his boat, or his car. It just looks cute. His plane does. The bat wing. Yeah, it doesn't look like this plane. It doesn't look like this bird. It's a bat. It's not an animal. It's a bat. Bat, bat shaped. Well, Anyways, I thought the artwork was fantastic. The bird well, people, I loved. Yeah, it, it all it all looks nice. Just turn off your brain.
1: Um, sure. So yeah, but yeah, visually the colors are nice. Actually, some of the main characters uh, they're drawn pretty well. Uh, definitely Spock looks like Nimoy in most most panels. Depends upon the panel. Kirk kind of goes off and on, looking mm-hmm. like Shatner. Um, and then, uh, but there are other things that are you know uh, artistic license. I, I love the guy who's shooting the phasers. He's like holding on to some uh, Flash Gordon kind of device with a scope in it. Yeah. The gunner. That That's great. Uh, yeah, that, did, that is so retro.
0: I didn't mention in the synopsis, but when they fire on the bird, um, it is not by Kirk's order. It's just this guy getting freaked right. out. And yeah. And he just shoots, the, shoots it. Shoots it, exactly. Completely on his own. A complete breach of
1: discipline. Which at first I was thinking, you know, when you when we got into the middle of the story, it's like, oh, well... I guess that guy uh, had better instincts for what was going on than Kirk for blasting it because it seemed at first they were the bad guys. But then by the end of the story, we find out that uh, Kirk's uh, instincts were, were correct, even though uh, Kirk had the wrong conclusion for a while there, believing the first alien he met again. Yeah, boy. Why does he keep doing that? I don't know. You'd think he'd learn. It's like, well, you know, maybe we'll help
0: you, but you know what? I think we'll just double check. Let's 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 talk to the bird brains over here. Right. Exactly. It's not like they're not still on the ship. Yeah. I mean, they could have communicated. Yeah. Anywho, so how do you like the shuttlecraft? Or did did, they
1: went back to not calling them shuttles again? Space bugs again. Space Space bugs again. Yes. Yeah. So, I think it was issue six. If it wasn't six, it was five. I'm pretty sure it was six, or storyline six. Um, they showed for the first time Galileo seven. Yep. It was accurate. It was accurate. It even had the right lettering, the right font. It. They actually reproduced what was what was in the show, and it was okay. like we were. I know I was thinking it's like, oh well, hallelujah! Somebody finally showed them a photo or something, or they maybe maybe they saw an episode finally, even though it's been on for a year, but no. In this issue, we're right back to... Well, actually, it's not as bad as using the Thunderbirds ship, ship shapes. Right. I mean, at least it's it's pretty much uh, a, a, a shuttle, a Star Trek shuttle shape, although they, again, have gone back to artistic license. Um, it's physically bigger than it's, the Galileo. Wider, bigger. I mean, in the... In the bay scene, where people are standing next to it it 's much it 's much bigger it 's red in color, kind of a rusty red color and it 's got the uh the entrance exit ramp in the back
0: instead of on the side and uh, it has headlights that's uh, it has a grill and headlight like a like an old mustang or something <laughs> there you go
1: uh it 's an American thing make it look like a mustang um, but at least the general shape is. Is, is accurate, but as we go on, you'll see that there we go back to using some thunderbird shaped uh, ships and, and some of the upcoming stories.
0: Yeah, they're still in the ship. You can't not use them just because it's not canon anymore. You got to make got to make the money. Make the money. Well, yeah.
1: Um, it's really amazing these stories. How many different uh, auxiliary spacecraft are in the Enterprise? And uh, they're pretty much whatever you need them to be. So, uh, so it, at least in this one, they're showing two variants on the shuttlecraft. One is pretty much just transportation. The other one seems to be some kind of attack craft or attack variant that seems to have, if I'm interpreting correctly, four different guns uh, on the sides and on the top of the hull. It's got a fin, of course. You need a fin. On the top, and then it's got three engines in the back instead of right. uh, nacelles on the side, and oh, well, it's got two fins on the bottom too. So there seems to be attack versions and just normal transport versions.
0: And then of there's, a, there's a third one too that doesn't seem to have any nacelles on it at all. Oh, which one is that? The the one that they oh, actually fly yeah. into the into the bird's mouth. Oh my God! I didn't even notice that. Yes, it's, and it ha- it has like a. Uh, like a dome, like a, a dome, like observation port on the top for, for no right. reason. Right. But it doesn't seem to have any of the guns or anything like the second S- one and no nacelles on it like yeah. the first So, okay, so three different. Why three different?
1: I mean, okay, so, so maybe the normal ship and then the more gunned one is when they went, you know, to really be more threatening, uh, more of an attack to rescue uh, Kirk and Company. The first shuttle, but then why does the third one? Yet another variation. I don't know. Whatever.
0: Right. We'll never know.
1: We'll never know. But yeah, the, I'm looking at a panel that's got the bird guy in there, where they're talking for the first time. It's got a like a
0: headshot, and that mm-hmm. does
1: look good. Y'all ridiculous, but it looks good.
0: Yeah, so he's just like turning and looking right, right exactly. at the camera, exactly, exactly, like, looking right through into your soul. And his face actually is expressing expression in a in a beak, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> I think but it's mostly in the eyes, but Somehow yes. the eyes are conveying that this yes. guy is like, no nonsense. Hey, listen, I'm a policeman. <laughs> exactly. I don't care what those other guys told you. Exactly. You gave them guns, are you stupid? <laughs> 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 he's, just, he's just
1: exasperated. Right. And again, of, of course, Kirk makes these decisions. And I believe in this one, yeah. Is this the one where he tells Spock, you know, just don't come after us? But of course he does it, and Spock pulls uh, Kirk's fat out of the fire again.
0: Anyway. Well, the so next story is a little happen. different because Spock will be the one yes. that'll make his fat out of the fire. Yes, so they, 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 they did mix it up a
1: little bit. It will be a little mixed up. But if we did, if we kept score here, I think we'll find that Kirk tends to need saving a lot more from Spock. <laughs> um but, yes, they do mix it up a little bit in the coming issues uh let's see what else uh we already mentioned the yeah
0: i that's really it for me uh I think I mentioned everything yep, I'm good too right okay. so shall we go on to issue eight, which is from uh, a new a new book what's it called again t v twenty one and Joe ninety yeah, so
1: I'm not quite sure why the transition happened. I'm sure there's a good reason for all of it. Maybe different people are involved from a production standpoint or responsibility for it or something. But uh, yeah, TV21 and Joe90. And they redid the numbering. So these are weekly issues one through six. So this is kind of a long story arc. Six issues. But um, really, it didn't need to be. No, not at all. This one, we're not sure who wrote it, but it looks like the same artist, Harry F. Linfield, and he's been doing a great job so far, except for ship shape choices. Okay, so the Enterprise is stopped in dead space, while engineering crews in spacesuits carry out routine maintenance on the outside of the nacelles. While there, several crewmen experience strange pokes and tugs at their equipment. The other workers think the affected crewmen are losing their minds. When they re-enter the ship through the hatch, one of the crewmen is shoved from behind, but no one is near him. With the ship buttoned back up, she gets underway. Later on the bridge, Kirk retires for the evening and gives O'Hara instructions to maintain course 4540 green, whatever that means. In his quarters, Kirk sleeps soundly for several hours until his sheets are pulled off his bed and his clothes go flying across the room all by themselves. Kirk exits his quarters into the hallway and speaks to Spock, who confirms that similar reports of ghostly happenings have been reported by the maintenance workers and others across the ship. The both say that they do not believe in ghosts, but apparently some entity has entered the ship. Da-da-da, that was the end of issue one. Issue two. Back in Kirk's quarters, they decide not to acknowledge the strange happenings to the crew, but do decide to convene a brief senior staff meeting. Spock lends Kirk one of his extra tunics since Kirk's had been caught up by the strange entity. Uh, So during the conference, Kirk is wearing a blue sciences uniform. Very odd. In the conference room, the senior staff eventually come to believe the news Kirk and Spock tells them. McCoy, of all people, suggests using a communicator's universal translator feature to attempt to communicate with the unseen entities. They use it and successfully speak to one of 12 envoys from the planet Vartax that are on the Enterprise. They tell Kirk and his senior people that their current course will bring them to their planet and uh, that the planet also is invisible. Handy. So they need to alter course or better yet slow down and visit their world. Kirk takes the envoy up on his offer. Later Scotty and Sulu beam down with the captain to the service of Vartox. The sky is black which indicates the force field that envelops the planet and keeps it unseen. However they can see the surface of the planet with a fantastic looking city in the distance. They also find the source of the envoy's voice a body on the ground with a knife in its back that appears to have been dead for years. The end of Issue 2. Issue 3. The envoy tells the landing party the story of his people, that Zans, his people, are technically advanced and peaceful. They erected the field that surrounds Vartax and protects them from outside incursion, but never thought there was a threat beneath their feet. The primitives that live underground came out and attacked with no mercy. They attacked with clubs and knives that were very effective since the Zans gave up all weapons long ago, believing they were safe from attack. The entire population was wiped out, and their food and devices plundered. The Zans now live in an incorporeal state, but can be returned to life with Kirk's help. Kirk buys the story hook, line, and sinker, and organizes an expedition tasked with locating and returning specific equipment to the Zons that can return them to their physical form. Sucker. Before they begin their descent, the envoy warns Kirk that though primitive, when they attacked, the others do have intelligence and they did take Zon technology back to the depths. Kirk finishes the thought saying that he is walking his men onto the Primitives own territory and they may have learned enough over the years to wipe out he and his men. Thanks for the tip. The end of Issue 3. Beginning of Issue 4. The envoy leads them to where they must ascend, but for some strange reason cannot go with them. Kirk leaves crewman Trayman on the surface with the envoy and a communicator as they start their descent. They finally find the primitives, but they turn out to be pussycats. They are scared to death of Kirk's party. Kirk starts to suspect he was duped yet again and sends Sulu up to the surface to get the one communicator, one, that they took with them when they left the ship. Okay, great. Sulu reaches the surface to find Trayman dead. After searching around, he finds the communicator and wonders what the heck is going on with this ghastly planet. End of issue 4. Issue 5. Sula returns to the landing party with the communicator, the universal translator circuit is activated, and the supposed primitive tells Kirk what is really going on. 1. Zons are not from their planet. 2. They came down and drove their people out of their cities and started to plunder the planet. c, The Zons can become invisible at will. It is their greatest weapon. Kirk calls up to Spock and finds out the Zons have taken over the Enterprise and intend to use it to travel to another planet where they will plunder that planet as they have done to Vartox. Uh, They basically go from planet to planet using all the resources. Great. Sounds like uh, Independence Day. The Zond leader starts beaming the crew down to the planet as Kirk and some of the underground dwellers come to the surface. With defeat on his face, Kirk sees more and more of his crew beam to the surface, and realizes he is powerless to do anything about it. O'Hara runs up to Kirk with one glimmer of hope. Mr. Spock was able to slip away and avoid being transported off the ship. He is still aboard, and the Zons do not know it. End of Issue 5. Issue 6. On the surface of Artox, one of the underground dwellers suggests that Kirk should go to the city and look for weapons the Zons might have left behind. With no other course of action left, to him Kirk leads his team to the city. They find a broken-down long-range energy weapon. Scotty and Sulu start to work on getting it operational as Kirk contemplates using it on the Enterprise, even with Spock on board. The Zon threat cannot be allowed to consume yet another planet. In the meantime on the Enterprise, Spock arms himself with a phaser and a bag of knockout gas grenades. He sneaks up on an isolated group of Zond and uses the gas bombs to disable them before they can go invisible. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Eventually, Spock has disabled all the Zond except for the command staff on the bridge. Spock thinks there are too many of them and he has only one bomb left. Just then, Kirk calls up to the ship and inadvertently gives away Spock's location, thanks Kirk. Spock is forced to take a gambit by punching the leader and holding a gun to his head. He is able to get aldazan onto an Enterprise shuttle with the clown car circuit turned on. He puts it on automatic to fly back to Vartox, because of course, why not? Where they will be held until the Galactic Courts figure out what to do with them. On the way back, the Zond figure out how to activate the self-destruct function of the shuttlecraft, but can't figure out how to deactivate the autopilot. They are heard to say it is better to burn out than to fade away, just before the explosion. Spock pilots the Enterprise back to Vartox on his own and starts beaming up the crew. Later, Kirk says... The rightful inhabitants of Vartax are back in their cities, and it's all thanks to you, Mr. Spock. Spock asks if Kirk would really have blasted the Enterprise to bits with him in it. Kirk says that is a question he is happy to try to forget. The end.
0: So I don't get what you mean by clown car. Um, Circuits turned on. (laughs)
1: There's a bunch of Vartox guys. I mean, the remaining population of, of the Zons are on the Enterprise, and they took it over. So now they're going to stuff all these people into a single shuttle.
0: Oh, I got you, I got you. Got now, you.
1: mind you, they've gone back to the Thunderbirds number 5 ship shape. It does not look like a Star Trek shuttle, period, ever. No. But it does, it's a bigger one. It's like, why not? There's, there's 15 kinds of shuttles, apparently, now. And, uh... But still... They loaded them all up in in the one ship, so and set it on a uh, uh, you know on a, on a self-guided course back to the same place that the Enterprise is going to go. Which, by the way, Spock apparently was able to fly it back to the planet all by himself. Right. So, I guess uh, automated circuitry was was engaged uh,
0: without Scotty around. And then they all get back on it and crash into the sun? Is that what happened? On purpose? Well, with the zans? Yeah.
1: No, they blew themselves up. Oh, they blew themselves up. Yeah, uh, okay. that was the, um,
0: the well, self-destruct the... circuitry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah wasn't just it? the picture looks like they're crashing into something, but because it's kind of like a a swirly blue thing. But yeah, okay. you're right. It's I thought it was self-destruct. Destruct. Okay. Nope, I don't think it says self-destruct anymore. It just says the guys like we better perish than accept defeat, and then they blow up. But it looks like they're crashing into like a blue sphere. Hmm. Okay, so so that's even worse.
1: So they were able to override the autopilot. Yet, rather than taking the ship to go to the next planet, which is what they
0: were supposed, what they wanted to do anyway. No, they says they. They 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 jab the destruct button. Okay. I think okay. I think I would have disabled that if if uh, if you're really trying to not let them do anything. <laughs> well, Why would you even have a destruct button? Well, you wouldn't because we know in Star Trek. Well, at least on the
1: ship, you know. Of course, these it's UK comics, but but we know you got to go through a big big hoops to get the uh, with multiple people involved to get the self destruct to start. Right. Uh, but they didn't, uh, or they really didn't care because this apparently is aimed at kids. So, yes.
0: So there you go. So what, why did they stop turning invisible?
1: Oh, well, uh, what, like at the end? Well, because yeah, right, halfway
0: through, well, uh, they just stopped using that power. Well,
1: yeah, well, they thought they had the upper hand. I mean, they took over the ship. I mean, why did they need to be invisible from themselves? I mean, and
0: could they not touch him while he's holding the communicator? I mean, he's he's technically there, right? Yeah, nobody,
1: it's just, I think it's just supposed to be invisibility. it's bumped
0: into him or something. It's like, hey, I can feel you.
1: Uh, there you go. It, it, it is kind of ridiculous. So, in the middle, when they when they leave the ship and and go down and things uh, to the planet and find the dead bodies and things like that, uh, yeah, there's a disembodied. Communicator floating around. At least that's what it looks like. But you're yep. right. There's a physical body there. It's just invisible.
0: Right. But I it looks kind of ridiculous. Would have poured some paint on him or something and been like, "Okay, now we can see you."
1: <laughs> now we can see you exactly. Um. Yeah, and then yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's just so the assault team that Kirk leads. Well, first off, he shouldn't be leading it, but whatever. So the assault team brings one communicator.
0: Yeah, one know, communicator.
1: Right? <laughs> it's like, "Oops. <laughs> we brought our We brought our guns, but we forgot to bring any more than just one communicator."
0: <sighs> anyway, whatever. I kind of liked how the cave people looked. Oh, let's talk about that. I I did, I did
1: too. Remember the orange monster in the Bugs Bunny cartoons? The abominable snowman? No, 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 no. He wasn't a a snowman guy. He 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 was a monster. But he was a furry monster and he had no neck or head. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so his face his face and his mouth is basically built into his shoulders. Or like like his chest, I should say chest. It's kinda like Mm -hmm. built into his chest. So there's no neck or head. It's just like the upper body, the upper torso is just extended a bit, and then the face and mouth and everything is like in there which is a very odd design but yeah that's that's what they that's what that reminded me of
0: yeah yeah now that you mention it these guys kind of look like that yeah
1: only their faces are different obviously and they're brown but they do look furry and uh and and yeah i think they look kind of cool
0: uh interesting
1: very alien
0: right that's what I like about these comic strips is that they really make the aliens look alien more than the, like, Gold Key does, which yeah. mostly everybody looks human or, or Lex right. Luthor-shaped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um,
1: okay, so do the Zons remind you of anybody, especially the leader? Especially towards the end when his helmet's off? Does he remind you of anybody?
0: Um, like, uh, he reminds me of the... the uh, Tron yeah guy exactly
1: exactly the guy we see at the closing credits of every well at at least here seri- at least season one right um you know, so the like the last shot you see at least I think it's the last one or near the last one you see that you see um the puppet
0: yeah Clint Howard's puppet
1: exactly so that was from the corporal Might maneuver and didn't he have didn't he have a name I don't know maybe not yeah I forgot his name. But uh, he was—he looks just like the puppet, especially when Spock has him by the neck and he's got the phaser up to his head. And by the way, the phaser looks pretty good. It looks—it looks just like that guy at the end, only if he could actually move his mouth or and, eyes.
0: Yeah, and eyes. The puppet. right. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you're right. Now, when I was a uh... oh, Balok. Baylock, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the little guy's name. Well, oh, that's the little guy's name. Okay, fine. So Baylock's puppet, right? Now I remember watching that as an adult, yeah. and uh, the Corbinite maneuver, and that little kid shows up offering them some Tranya, uh-huh. and I'm like, dude, this little kid's cute. I was like, wonder if he ever did anything after this. Uh-huh. And, oh, many you know, things. And then I looked him up, and you know, it was like old dial-up internet. Yeah, it looked it up. Clint Howard and I'm like, "Oh no way," cuz I've seen Clint Howard in billions of things. Exactly. At I
1: least 50 that. at least 50% of them his own brother's movies.
0: <laughs> he's he he has
1: done a lot of that. He's done a lot of that, but he's been in a lot of things. He's he's a great bit part player
0: or a supporting right. actor. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a character actor. There you if go. You, if you want a weird-looking some mostly bald character, <laughs> throw throw Clint Howard in there. Exactly. He even made it in the solo Ah, uh, yes. Wasn't that odd? So he's one of the only people to be in both Star Trek and S- Star Wars.
1: There you go. And, of course, Solo was taken over by his brother. Right. Ron. Uh, so that, that may have been part of the reason. That
0: uh, may have been part of the reason, yes. yeah. <laughs> it, w- w- wasn't he in Discovery
1: for a few uh, a few episodes of Season 1? Was he? I don't know why I'm thinking that. Pretty sure he oh, was.
0: Oh, I think he is in. Towards the end, I think. Yeah, when they're on when Cl- they're on the planet when they're on, on the Klingon planet. Yeah, exactly. When they're on Kronos. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, anyway, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. I exactly. think he's in an episode of Enterprise too, where he's dressed up as a um, a Ferengi.
1: Oh, he's playing a Ferengi. Okay. Yeah. That make. Yeah,
0: yeah. Why not? He definitely fits the part. He's he's a good actor. Yeah. If you want a, a weird little guy, he's the guy to go to. <laughs> yeah. So uh,
1: Kirk believes the first alien he sees, they are feeding him a line of BS, and uh, Spock pulls his fat out of the fire. Actually, everybody. I mean, he saves everybody in this one. He is missed. He is Joe Commando um, on the Enterprise, getting the getting the ship back.
0: So, Oh, it's the fish one. Never mind. Uh, yeah, here. Never mind. The fish one. They kind of they kind of changed that up a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
1: So let's wait for the next one for that one. Oh uh,
0: yeah. All right. I was thinking it was this one, but no. Oopsie. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I. That's it. That's all I have to say. All right. My my last comment is why they make such a big deal about the blue shirt. I I completely uh, agree. It, it, it goes it, nowhere. Uh-huh. It has
1: no point for anything. And. Why did Zanz tear his shirt instead of just, like, what he did with every with, with the sheets? Just, just threw the sheets off? I
0: mean, it's like... And he's not intangible. He's invisible. So yeah, he had exactly. to open up Kirk's door, walk through it, close yep. Kirk's door, yep. walk over to his bed, be all creepy and stalkery. Yeah. Start messing with his sheets. <laughs> it's just really weird. Yeah. And then, for some reason,
1: cut his tunic. And, why does Kirk have one tunic? Yeah, he should have another one. Because I saw Beyond, and Kirk has many tunics in the JJ And they're all the
0: same. He had many shirts in the original one, too. But, you know, he had the green wraparound. He had the yellow. Oh, that, yeah. He couldn't have thrown on any of his other clothes. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The rest is in the laundry, I guess.
1: But, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that's true.
0: The blue shirt... He says he was wearing a blue shirt, but none of the panels are really there's only one panel that, that ever a... kind of shows color uh, on his well, shirt. Well, but also the uh now at least that is a good
1: thing. The um the badge is right. It shows oh, yeah, a yeah, science's yeah. badge instead
0: of like this little star thing within oh, that's the a good point. Only within in that one badge. panel though. Exa- I agree. I agree. And then on the next page he's back to gold. So I guess he went back and got got his Got his uh, regular tunic. Exactly,
1: exactly. But it is kind of interesting seeing Kirk in a blue tunic. You don't normally see
0: that. Yeah, I thought I thought McCoy would have said something like, "Hey, you're you're finally choosing the right side, there, Jim." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to issue uh, nine? Yes, please. Or storyline nine, however you want to word it. Let's do it. Did you have anything else? I don't want to cut y'all. No, no, no. that, that that's it. All right, story number nine. Uh, this is in uh, TV 21 and Joe 90, issues 7 through 11. Came out November eighth through December 6th of 1969. This one is entitled, Nor Any Drop to Drink. I can't find any uh, writing staff on this guy. And the uh, art staff was by, um, who was it again? Harry uh, F. Linfield. Linfield. Same guy who did them all so far. All right, so this one is a somewhat original story. So the Enterprise is uh, slammed out of warp, and all the sensors show nothing in front or behind them or around them. Uh, They even look out portholes, and they just see blackness. But uh, instead of a giant plastic bag like in issue six, so I guess it's not all that original. So instead of the plastic bag being around the, uh, the ship, They find out that it's some sort of liquid. Kirk and Spock poke out a bit of the ship in some deep-sea suits, and they're almost eaten by a giant sea creature. So no explanation as to why they couldn't see the sea creature before they got out, but they didn't, and they almost got bit. They return to the bridge, where Ahura informs them that the sensors have finally kicked in a little bit, and they are... In the middle of a giant aquatic planet that's 100% water or liquid. And this liquid uh, dampens all engines and phasers. And for whatever reason, it's dense enough so that they are not allowed to float to the top, even though they're mostly air. Suddenly, they meet up with some fish people who come up to the ship and they fasten some tow cables to the Enterprise and tow it to their city. Kirk and Spock jump into some more deep sea outfits and they swim out and meet with the fish people. And explain who they are and where they come from. The fish people are unaware of any life outside of their planet. And they say very matter-of-factly that they'll do some investigation. But, you know, we will have to kill you first to do some more studies. Uh, Kirk escapes and returns with some army of guards to try to free Spock. The fish people start to attack with uh, ice rays. And then Kirk comes up with a brilliant idea. Yes! It could actually work. So he causes the fight to escalate even further until the fishermen bring out a giant ice ray tank. Kirk takes control of the tank and fires it at the Enterprise. Once the Enterprise is completely encased in ice, it floats to the surface. And as soon as it breaches the surface, it's able to turn on the deflectors, knock off the ice, and fly away. The end. Wow, turns it into a big ice cube. And we know ice floats.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, yep. Ice you would, does float. You, you, now, now, you would also think that a ship that is full of air, uh, even though it's a heavy ship, it's, it's all metal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's still full of air. I mean, wouldn't it have some buoyancy? Maybe yes, maybe no, apparently. But ice makes the difference in this liquid whatever it is that's thicker right. than water.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Yep. Fine. Somehow. Somehow. You know. Um, at least they had Kirk coming up with a solution that was cleverish as opposed to just being brute force. Right. Or, or Spock's solution in the previous one. That was brute force too. he sneak up on him, knock out gas, and whatever. Um, but this is at least. A, semi clever even though there is plenty of brute force going on
0: right yeah and um, I mean how did the how did he know they even had tanks that that's my thing well he did cause I mean it is brute force to keep the fight going until some mysterious tank shows up that he somehow knew they had yeah that I didn't get
1: I didn't get that he did that purposely to have the tank come out but
0: well, they said yeah. that uh, he, they, the handgun that he had um, was not going to be enough to cover the enterprise. So he, he needed more, a larger firepower. So he had to have known that uh, they'd bring it out eventually. Yeah, they yeah. have got to get the heavy stuff. That's what he says. And then okay. They, then the next uh. panel shows them bringing the the tank. So how now, did he know now, that was
1: going to happen? Now, can I ask, if you do develop weapons, why would you develop? A weapon that can put ice around objects or people? Is, right. that, is that like a phaser on stun, so it immobilizes people with ice by icing them down? Is that what you're doing? Is that yeah. why the fish people did that? Yeah,
0: no, no, no real reason why this would happen.
1: Yeah, because you'd think it would be something more like, oh, a spear gun or, uh,
0: I don't know, would, would phasers work underwater? Uh, their phasers didn't, but yeah, could could they have developed phasers that work? Directed energy weapons that can right. go through this sludge or whatever this stuff is. I don't know, but right, but they, I mean, they obviously have some sort of mechanical stuff. I mean, the the ship, the tank is mechanical. So oh yeah, 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 They've somehow developed technology that works underwater. Yeah. So why could they not have come up with something more equivalent to a phaser as opposed to going to ray. the
1: trouble of making an ice ray?
0: <laughs> and if you
1: look at the tank, which does kind of, kind of, sort of looks cool. The gun that comes out of the front looks like a big spear with multiple... Like a giant harpoon, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It looks like a harpoon with multiple barbs on it. So, as the artist was drawing it, he definitely was thinking spears, you know, spear kind of weapons. Oh,
0: well. Right. But no, it's a, it's a
1: ice ray. It's an ice ray. And what I really, I mean, the whole thing's a really ridiculous, but when the Enterprise breaks through the water, and it's coming out of the water, it completely reminded me of another 1960s TV show.
0: Okay, which one?
1: Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. So, I'm not sure how much you may have ever seen that, because you are young compared to me, but to make it more action-packed, It would have the sea view, which was the submarine, nuclear-powered submarine. Rather than how every real submarine comes to the surface, which is it just floats to the top and it breaks water, you know, uh, completely flat, parallel to the the surface of the water, the sea view would actually come out of the water (laughs) on an angle, and the front of it would pierce out of the water dramatically and then come down and settle on the uh, on the surface of the water. Like so that's, a giant, like a whale. Yeah, kind of, I guess, yes. Uh, so, like, a third, or maybe, eh, I'd say about a third of the front of the submarine is out of the water in air, and then the thing comes splashing down, which I would think would be uh, very jarring for the people inside. <laughs> oh
0: my god, you can't imagine. Yeah. <sighs>
1: maybe that's uh, why they do it, it's like... Buckle in, we're riding a ride at Six Flags. Or... <laughs> I don't think anybody was buckling in. I mean, I don't remember there being that many s- chairs, at least in the bridge area. Anyway, and that's what they got here. The entire saucer section and the front of at least one nacelle, and you can see the deflector dish on the mm-hmm. secondary hull. It's all out of the water. And it's beautiful. I love that shot. Uh,
0: I love it, That might too. be my favorite part of the whole book. It,
1: it, that uh, one thing. Yeah, it I, I think so it probably nice. is. It, yeah. Of course, the whole thing's ridiculous. So yeah. they come out of the
0: water. The ice <laughs> breaks away. Did they do something to get the ice to break away or just magically uh, They it? said the, the, as soon as they were able to get away from the water, yeah. the deflectors kicked in and, and knocked it off. Oh, back. the deflect. Okay, so the deflectors knocked it off. At least they tried to explain
1: that. And then the mighty uh, engines blasted them out of the water and into the air. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. I can, I, can, I can buy that. I can buy that for a nickel. I mean, at least with the J.J. Abrams in the darkness, equally ridiculous. At least they were, like, using anti-gravity or something that was getting the ship out of the water.
0: Right. Um, they didn't but blast
1: the, through like that.
0: But they were all also almost attacked by a sea monster that looked like this one at the beginning.
1: Well, yeah, I will say that the sea monster in here looks pretty good. Yeah, he looks, he looks pretty
0: BA. That's yeah. bad ASS. So I didn't min- uh, mention it, but uh, when they're attacked by the sea creature, Spock tries to shoot it. The phasers don't work in the water. Yeah. And then Kirk gets eaten. and then, he isn't he eaten, is he? Well, he's, he's close swallowed, to it. Oh, he's he was? Swallowed. Swallowed? He's, in, he's in the mouth. He's in the mouth, and then I guess the the monster, like, spits the water out so that before he swallows the food? I don't know. I don't know. somehow he creates an air pocket inside of his mouth, which then allows Kirk's phaser to work, and he, like, blasts through his teeth. Oh, is that how he did that? Is that how that worked? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. He he says, like, yeah, when I was in the mouth, there was a vacuum, and I was able to use the phaser.
1: Oh, that's what it meant. I had no idea. Because basically, Kirk looks like he is propelled... Out of the mouth of the sea creature
0: towards the Enterprise hatch. Yeah, because the creature spit him out when his teeth got blown up. <laughs> you would too if you if you bit something and it suddenly phasered your face. You would spit it out. <laughs> you probably would. <laughs>
1: okay, so isn't it great how the spacesuits work well underwater?
0: Right. Yeah, it's amazing how the ship works well underwater. I well, mean, cause, yeah. You would think that it would get crushed. Well, okay, so this is one of the objections.
1: Somebody in the media was like interviewing a doctor or something, uh, or a scientist or an engineer, whatever he was, about the beginning of Into Darkness, where the Enterprise okay. is under the water and stuff. And the guy, well, I think he was probably an engineer, he said, well, if you make a spaceship, you make it so that you are able to have pressure in the ship because around you is vacuum. Right. So that's one set of engineering challenges that you would engineer for. When you're under the water, it's just the opposite problem exactly. from an engineering standpoint. you got all this pressure from the water around you that's pushing inward, trying to crush the hull. So that would be a different set of engineering parameters, requirements, whatever, that you would build around. To have something that was only supposed to ever be in space, that was also constructed to keep pressure from coming in, as well as the normal thing, which is going out, would be unlikely, difficult, or why would you do it? Anyway, yes, actually thinking, applying common sense to things. Anyway, it's kind of ridiculous. But this is a kid's thing, so, the comic.
0: So we just give it a pass?
1: I guess. Well, you have to. Now, of course, uh, they did the same thing in the second J.J. movie, so it's like, I wonder who they were making the movie for, but whatever.
0: Uh, It wasn't just for kids, I don't think. No, but it's popcorn. It It was just a popcorn movie, so they could do whatever they want. And as Chris Pine said,
1: you couldn't make, you know, a movie these days that was more cerebral. It wouldn't sell. I think it would. I think it could. Gravity Um. did well. Oh!
0: <laughs> I mean, it had its flaws, but that but was it di- ridiculous. It didn't
1: have that movie was ridiculous. All, okay, three different sets of space of stations? orbiting vehicles or space stations that just happened to be close enough to jump to or you know jet over to. It ridiculous, <laughs> I, 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 and the number of times that she was able to just grab the next next vehicles you know handhold or something and almost not make it and get whipped around and almost not hold on it's like i just i checked out
0: <laughs> i mean
1: it, it it was it was it was exciting it was good i liked it but oh my god yes that's not a good example to use donovan i know
0: <laughs> Anywho. Right, so whatever. back to this issue um Art-wise, again, great, but I did not care for the fish people. They looked a little too... Fishy? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, it was not as well executed as the eagle people. It looks like rubber masks on people, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yep. yep. Well, yeah, uh, and fish being fish, they they really don't look intelligent at all. Uh, and so, <laughs> making any kind of intelligent humanoid—I mean, what? I mean, the fish people in Star Wars look ridiculous. Fish people. Well, actually, I do like General—or was it Akbar? Admiral Akbar. Or yeah. Admiral Akbar. He, okay, he looked ridiculous, but he also looked cool. But okay, so it can be done, but usually it doesn't work. Wasn't there like a fish ambassador or something in Star Trek? Yeah, in
0: uh, Next Generation.
1: There you go. Where it's the fish head and then some kind of weird yep, like shower curtain outfit <laughs> that completely yep, exactly. covered the, uh, <laughs> the, tourist, the body. Right. It was the shower curtain guy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, it, I'm, I'm trying to say it's hard to pull off.
0: Yep. No, I agree. They just don't have the air of intelligence on them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I guess I'm saying that. Is that why people say that they can't remember more than 10 seconds or something like that? I don't remember. I don't know. You, you've heard that uh, that that saying that goldfish only have a memory of a minute or something like that. Oh, really? I, yeah,
1: it sounds like like dogs. Well, they say that about dogs too, but they have no that clue. Is,
0: is not correct? Uh, don't they say something similar about
1: dogs? Like I've they never don't, heard that about dogs. I've I've heard that, and I completely say it's BS. But whatever.
0: Well, no, dogs will remember people from years and years and years. I think so. I think so. Exactly. Hmm. Alright, what else you got on this issue? Because I'm pretty much done. I just wanted to go back to story arc 8. Oh, we're going back to... I just okay. want to go
1: back there for a minute, because there was... I think it was great how Uhura took over the ship. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Sulu was there. Oh, no. Did Sulu go with him? I forgot. Anyway, but there are lots of other men that were around, but Uhura is who Kirk left the ship with. I
0: thought right. that was great. And he kind of does it here, too, because she's the one that figures it all out, where they're at. Yep. Well, yeah.
1: She she figures where they're at, right. Exactly. But, I mean, she didn't leave... I mean, she she wasn't left in command, was she? Um, But but, but Not not on screen. She had a big contribution, yes. Yeah. She figured out that they were in liquid. And, by the way, can we talk about that for a second? So, you're going through space. And uh, how fast were you going? Probably warp speed, because why... When you go between star systems, you at least do Warp 1, don't you? Yeah, so
0: we'll say Warp 4. Okay, <laughs> okay fine. Going Let's going say Warp
1: crisp, 4. Crisp, crisp warp 4. And all of a sudden, everybody becomes ragdolls. They're tossed all over the place. And, uh, I mean, there's literally somebody head over heels on the bridge. And they find they're in water. So, you're saying the ship was going at warp 4 and it hit into a planet and it went into its ocean or whatever
0: liquid whatever and is that what you're really saying Well they're saying the whole planet is liquid so it just went well yeah, okay just, just rammed yes, into yes, it yes
1: yes yes okay fine, giant g- ball good, of good point liquid, it's a giant a li- ball boom. of liquid that they now how the liquid holds together and everything who knows but they hit a thing of a liquid. The reality of water, I know this isn't water, but it seems very similar to water, and I think anything that's thicker than water would be even worse. It can be really hard. If you ever jumped off a high dive when you were a kid into water, you know, it can be hard. And and if you're going at any kind of velocity, slamming into water like that, you would be totally annihilated.
0: Right. Well, she does say that the deflectors do their job and and deflect the water up until a point until <sighs> they uh, are in the middle of it. <sighs> so the deflector is cutting through the water, slowing the ship down, and then they everything goes off and they're just stuck there.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, it,
0: it, that's no.
1: It's but a that, rough that, ride, that, but it, it can be done. That, that does help help justify it, but no. Ridiculous, ridiculous. But whatever.
0: Ridiculous, we saw it happen, kid. You can't say <laughs> that didn't happen? <laughs> okay. Now nah, you're right. You're right. Uh, whatever. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah. About uh, eight and nine. All right, then. I'm also done. You did notice that Spock's smiling on that very last page, Yes,
1: right? I definitely noticed that. He, it's like he's back in the original pilot.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Fascinated with a plant. That
0: makes noise, or that sings in the wind. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? It what? reminded me of those Hostess cupcake little ads you would get in your comic book. That oh, really? Turn the page, <laughs> and then suddenly it's you know Batman or Spider-Man or whoever eating a Hostess cupcake, or doing a little adventure, and then the end would be that he's eating a Hostess cupcake, or... Twinkie or ding dong or something like that. Yeah. And it always ended with a character that's not used to smiling like like smiling Batman. Yeah, smiling while he's eating, <laughs> or the Hulk. Like, oh these ding dongs are good, you know? <laughs> so for whatever reason, just because it was that last panel, it was just like, Oh, that's kinda reminds me of uh the hostess commercial. Gotcha.
1: I didn't know where you were going with that at first, but yes, I completely agree.
0: <laughs> uh, anyways. Alright, uh, so yeah, so next week we are going to uh, jump a decade, but uh, still be some original Trek. This will be Gold Key. Yeah,
1: but the writing will not necessarily be any better.
0: Uh, yeah, and the artwork will not be as good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably. So we'll do uh, Gold Key 39 through 41. These came out in the late 70s. Right, unless
1: of course we find a reprint in there. But yes, uh, I've
0: already checked in.
1: There' there isn't. Okay, great.
0: Three original stories. Great, great, great.
1: Looking forward to it. Now, what I'm really looking forward to, just to let you guys know out there, is an IDW Star Trek Five, which you're probably all aware of. You probably read it like a year ago because we're that far behind. But we're waiting for the last issues to come out.
0: Year uh, so five, we can not do
1: just it. Star Trek
0: Five. It's not going to be... It's year five, yeah. Oh, I didn't say year five. You didn't say the year part, so you got everybody excited. (gasps) Spock's brother, Cyborg, what? (laughs) Uh.
1: No, Star Trek year five. So there were comics that came out that were year four, which is cool, and now we got year five. Yeah. A five-issue little arc.
0: So Rx will be in it for sure? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I suppose so. Exactly. Mores, or however you pronounce her name. Mores,
1: Mores, I don't know. Yeah, however you pronounce it. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: so we'll get to that eventually, but not next week. We have to wait for the last issues to come out. Now, we did the Star Trek Transformers crossover. Oh, yes, we did. Mm -hmm. They are, right now, they're coming out with a Ghostbusters Transformers crossover. Oh. Any any chance we can cover that one? I don't
1: see that it has anything to do with Star Trek. Darn the luck. Darn the luck. Darn the luck. I'll just have to read it. Okay, hold on. Transformers and Ghostbusters. You did say that, right? I did say that. (sighs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. X-01 as a transforming robot, it's going to be awesome. Oh, wow. Almost as cool as the Enterprise being a Transformer. I think the Enterprise as a Transformer is a lot cooler. Yeah, but here's the rub: They're actually coming out with a toy of the Ecto-1 as a Transformer. Well, that makes sense. They did not do it with the uh, Enterprise. With the Enterprise, because they couldn't,
1: because it's ridiculous. No, 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 it's not... It's cool looking, as long as you don't ever have any expectation of some toy engineer being able to figure out how the heck that could be a Transformer. Right. Yes. It wasn't clear from the comic book exactly how that worked either, but... Actually, yeah, it,
0: didn't, it didn't quite match up right.
1: No, uh, which it works fine for a comic book, but actually a toy that has to actually do it, do the transformation. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, but that's not uh, that's not next Neither week. Either there. We're just doing Gold Key, and eventually we'll do that Year Five. Yep. Sorry, didn't mean to take us on a tangent. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, just talking
1: about the world. I, I really hope Picard turns out well. So that's in the future for us right now. By the time we post this, it'll probably have already been out. I'm looking forward to Picard actually being good. I'm really hoping. Yeah, same here. Discovery did get a Season 3 greenlit, but they're still looking, or at least last thing I read, they don't have the funding for it pulled together yet, which is amazing. So we'll see when it actually comes out. If it actually comes out.
0: Yeah, that'll, that'll be bad if it doesn't come out. Uh, Yeah.
1: I'm kind of intrigued. How, how, are they supposed to go a thousand years in the future? Or For how... what?
0: Huh? Oh, I, um, did you watch the whole thing? Watch what thing? Season two. Oh, no. I didn't finish it yet. Okay, I'll stop.
1: Um, <laughs> anyway, I look forward to how they figure out uh, season three that's in a very different situation okay all right all right okay Uh, i guess that's it i guess uh thanks everybody for joining us on the review see you next week later thank you for listening to star trek comic book review all star trek stories and characters are copyrighted cbs studios incorporated all music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only you can email us at star t comic book review at gmail.com Visit us at our website www.stComicBookReview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at First Name ST Comic Second Name Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. let get the hell out of here.